Welcome to The Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedeckes. And now, get ready to think. All right, welcome back to The Think Pod, The Think Podcast. This is the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. And as I'm watching myself on my live feed, it looks like my video is a little slow. So if you can see me and hear me okay, uh, let me know. I'm just going to share the show on Twitter real quick, and um, and then I'm going to close out a bunch of windows here because I think my computer is a little too uh, loaded up with, like I think the memory is too loaded up, and I think perhaps... We're, uh, we're, we're starting to see things slow down a little bit on the live stream. So let me know if you can see me and hear me okay. And um, man, we just got to jump right into this because this is going to be a doozy. This is a special bonus episode of the Think Podcast. And it's bonus in many ways. One, we don't normally do a live broadcast on Fridays. Normally, as you know, we do Tuesdays. And uh, so this is very unique. So it's bonus in that regard, but it's also bonus because we are finally talking about a topic that has fascinated me for a long time that I never quite had a framework for um, articulating. And now I do, and it's all thanks to today's guest. So let me just throw this question at you as we get started. Are your favorite movies satanic? That's the question. It's a common evangelical practice to try and find the gospel in popular movies and culture. But what if there's a, another, much darker story at play? In 1949, philosopher Joseph Campbell rocked the literary and cultural world with his book, A Hero, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. In that book, Campbell presented his theory that many, in fact, nearly all of the ancient myths are all really retelling essentially the same story about essentially the same hero who essentially passes through the same stages on his adventure before arriving at essentially the same destination. And the theory goes, it's not just the ancient myths that do, that do this, but today's popular stories as well, right down to our movies and comics from DC, Marvel, Disney, other major production studios, Lucasfilm, even Star Wars is part of this. Uh, trend. Do not miss this episode because we are talking about uh, something very, very important. And, and this is the tricky part. While many are searching these popular stories for elements of the gospel, we see this with the Gospel Coalition and other um, uh, big Eva type ministries of their ilk. What if my guest today uh, is going to articulate this point? What if these movies and stories have more in common with a much darker tale, the history of Lucifer or Satan, his opposition to God, his fall, and his deception of mankind. That's what we're talking about in this episode. There is quite possibly a satanic or Luciferian theme running through our popular stories right under our noses. It's something that we need to be aware of because as Christians, we're supposed to be alert against the prowling schemes of Satan. 1 Peter 5.8, we're supposed to test all things and hold on to the good, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. So 
In this episode, you're going to learn about who Joseph Campbell is, if you don't know that name, what the monomyth is, how many ancient myths and stories are the same, why one's explanation of these similarities depends on one's worldview, how we see the monomyth pattern pop up in many modern stories, including The Hobbit, Star Wars, Transformers, Justice League, Infinity War, and whether evangelical thought leaders are right or wrong to mine these stories for elements of the gospel. And then I also want to share with you something that happened last night as I interacted with somebody who had a question about Luciferianism and how that all ties in. All right, now, he's waited backstage long enough. My guest today is Owen Anderson. I'm going to bring him on, and then I'm going to introduce him. Hey. Dr. Anderson, welcome. Thanks Thank for you having me. So, uh, Owen Anderson has been teaching philosophy and religious studies for 21 years and is a professor of philosophy and religious studies at Arizona State University. His research, that's the home of the Sun Devils, correct? Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm a good, I'm a good guest for this topic because I'm a sun devil. That's right. That's right. And uh, the very appropriate um, or, or inappropriate, as it were. <laughs> uh, his research focuses on general revelation and related questions about reality, value, and knowledge. He's been a fellow at Princeton University, a visiting scholar at Princeton University, and a fellow at the University of Colorado Boulder. He's published several books, including Job, a Philosophical Commentary, about which I'm going to be interviewing him at a uh, future date. And uh, his credentials go on and on and on. But um, this is a guy that you want to get to know. This is a guy whose ideas you're going to want to hear about and hear from. So um, Dr. Owen Anderson, if you could just sort of tell us your background, how did you get into philosophy of religion and specifically how did you uh get into the topic that we're going to be talking about today yeah so i think i think the general kind of short answer to your question how to get into it was like many people i was raised with religious beliefs and and i came to realize that i had friends who were raised with competing beliefs and none of us really had knowledge we we all thought we were right and the other guy was mistaken but we didn't have any way to prove that one way or the other. And the, the reasons I had, like my, I trusted my parents and um, things like that tradition. Well, the other people had those same things. So for me, that sent me on my own, I guess we could say hero quest to say, well, well, how can we know things? And if, if we can't know things, we can't actually know the answer to these important questions and life doesn't have any meaning. So that was the beginning of it. And I, and I, I kind of understood that philosophy was a discipline that answered these, but I also, wanted to study history and, and what are the answers that have been given to these questions. And I wanted to study religious studies because I was at a secular university, so there wasn't theology. It was called religious studies. So I went into religious studies, and it was there that I encountered Joseph Campbell. So so I'd call him not not probably a, 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 um, a philosopher, more, more like an anthropologist. And he's doing comparative studies of the world's religions, which is, okay. you know, people do that. They look at the world's religions, and they say, what do they all have in common? So he's trying to answer that, but his mentor was Carl Jung. So Joseph Campbell's approaching it with this whole Jungian background. And, and behind that, I'll, I'll unpack these as we're going, but behind that is, is something which I'll call the Gnostic framework, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, Gnostic framework, okay. which I don't mean just the, the early Christian heresy. I mean a broader worldview that Jung understood the world by, which he then passed on to Campbell. And then Campbell's student was George Lucas, 
who wanted mm -hmm. to make a sci-fi series that would put the, the teachings he received from Joseph Campbell into movie format for the wider world audience. So, of course, that's Star Wars. Okay, so um, I've heard, I, I read about how George Lucas interacted with Campbell's ideas. But did the two of them ever actually meet? Did they meet and discuss these ideas together? Um, you know, I don't know if there was direct personal contact in that way versus mentor in terms of these are, this is what George Lucas thought. This is the truth of the matter. This okay. is really what, 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 uh, uh, how I understand the world. And he wanted an epic, a modern epic that would serve the purpose for us that the Iliad served for earlier audiences. So really? you can see how Star Wars does that. It's a kind of, is a kind of space Western. It has cowboy, yeah. it has kind of a, a Western themes as well as sci-fi themes. And you, you can see how it weaves that. And, and, and big, vast story, right? In a galaxy far away a long time ago. And that's confusing at first for us. It's, it's fascinating because it, since it's sci-fi, but it's a long time ago. Wait a minute, how can you both? So, it's, so it gets you right into this story. But what we want to talk about today is the themes in the stories that, that Joseph Campbell's noticing. And then we actually want to do the same thing to him that he's doing to religion. Okay. Interesting. All right. So we we better get started um, in on this topic. Let's go through the front door. So you mentioned Joseph Campbell, and I'm, I'm glad that you specified he's more of an anthropologist. I've been thinking of him as a philosopher. I think I read that somewhere. But you're yeah, saying- Yeah, I mean, those are broad terms. I don't, it's not mistaken, but, but the idea is philosophers tend to be just like Descartes, they're sitting in, in their okay. room, they're thinking about things, and anthropologist actually gets out there and, and learns uh, about the world, what are the world of religion, so that's just a little difference, but, but he's, he's, he's departing from anthropology as a strict science by getting into this philosophical stuff. Once he gets into that, it's no longer just empirical science, he's getting into answering philosophical questions, and, and so in the introduction when you mentioned, you know, maybe this is, this is uh, Satanism, so a lot for a lot of people that invokes uh, well, kind of the guy that's the mascot of my school, right? So, yellow red pajamas and a pitchfork, and he he's he has maybe a mustache like mine. He's twisting his mustache, and he and he's going to do really bad things to people. So that's not what is meant here. And, and when you say the Luciferian story, that'll help because you'll find out Lucifer is the light bearer. He's the enlightened one. He brings enlightenment to people. So. It's easy to recognize a bad guy in a story when they're all really ugly and they're, they have goo all over them and they're they're hurting other people. Say, oh, that's the bad guy. But in this account, uh, he's presented as a very good character uh, who's helping the world be freed from the god of death. So in that sense, it, it is more subtle. And I think that's one of the qualities that is given to Lucifer, that he's subtle. That's what it was said. Uh, he, he's wily is what was said of the serpent. So we're going to see how, basically, when you say the Luciferian story, you're getting the, the story of the garden mm -hmm. told as if the serpent is telling you his answer. Right? And making himself the hero, right? Yeah, I mean, of course, everyone would do that, right? So the serpent is no different. So he would say, yeah, I'm trying to save you from an oppressive uh, lawgiver who wants to keep you as servants. I'm bringing you freedom and liberty. Right, right. So that's right. the sense for your audience in the sense of 
Uh, is this like the satanic conspiracy? Because in the 80s, there was the satanic conspiracy where everybody, yeah. everything was a kind, and they meant literally up, upside down crucifixes and right. and uh, things like that. That's not what this is talking about at all. Right, right, right. Th this is not your obvious villain with the pitchfork, the pointy beard, or yeah. or as, or, you know, the the orcs or the orakai, orakai rising up out of the, the slime and the filth. Yeah. This is, this is a, a, a villain objectively speaking who looks like a hero who who's even welcomed as a hero who even talks about unity and love. light and and love and and Freedom. goodness and yeah. and all these things um well let's let's get into it then because joseph campbell did not believe what he was describing was luciferian no correct? So, what what is what are the the fundamental elements of what is the monomyth what are the yeah. elements of the monomyth? What did Joseph Campbell identify? So we have, let me see if it, what camera works. We have this book here that you mentioned earlier, The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And you see the, eye, the, the images used from ancient ones to, there's Luke himself, right? Mm -hmm. So the monomyth is the fact that and if you were to go into writing and you, you want to be a television show writer or a movie writer, you'd find out, this is not a secret, there's only so many plots. Right. There's only so many ways a story unfolds, and, and and you can number them, name them, and you can put them up on a board, and it's very programmatic. Right. It's not. It's not. We might think of like it's this great creative experience, but it really isn't. It's just introduction. These things happen. Conclusion. Hmm. And so that's what Joseph Campbell was noticing was well, that's also true of the world's myths. There, there's a lot of overlap in the themes that they're teaching, and for him, that was because his Jungian psychology. In, in evolving, we all evolved this universal unconscious that we tap into to understand our world, to help us better survive. Well, so, so we all have that. Is it, is it that the elements of the story are the same, or is it that those elements are teaching a particular lesson? So yeah. all the myths are teaching the same le lesson using those elements? Mostly that one, although some of the elements are the same too. So okay. but you get thematic overlap in a lot of these about how the hero does what he ends up doing and who's good guy and who's bad guy and how conflict resolves itself. Hmm. Oh, okay. So in the very short time I've been studying this and I, I told you about this last night, but I want to tell our, our audience later yeah. on, you know, the experience that I had of talking with the guy who had the question about Luciferianism. Um, but in the short time that I've spent studying this, I've, I've come across this, this narrative pattern where there are these different elements. There's the crossing the threshold. There's the entering into the special world. There's something, I, I, I'm a little foggy on what tends to happen there, but then there's this return where the hero brings enlightenment, yeah, bring light, gifts, a boon, I think is the word that's used. Can, something yeah so so what what is what is the message that's being taught by this recurring myth and then what are some of these ancient myths that we see you know this pattern yeah. cropping up in or these okay, lessons so let me answer that by saying we, we use the word luciferian because it speaks about lucifer the light bearer as the hero but it could be misleading to to some, so that's why I tend to use the word Gnostic, but even that ends up being misleading because people narrow that down to just a specific right. group of Christian uh, heresies. Right. But Gnostic is a 
larger worldview that comes out of Greek dualism. So let me explain it this way. Matter's bad. Spirit world is good. There's a high original being who created the world but doesn't have anything to do with it. He's so good. He's pure spirit. He doesn't have anything to do with the world. Instead, there are lesser spiritual beings, and they're the ones interacting with the world. And the one that's in charge of the material world is, is really bad. And he's trying to enslave souls in matter. That's the, the demiurge, right? Precisely, yeah. Okay. He's trying to enslave souls in matter. And then there's some variations, but it's usually something like uh, his younger brother, or he has two sons, his younger son opposes him and mm -hmm. tries to help the souls be freed from matter so that they can then uh, go on to be gods themselves. Mm. Some version of that is what I mean by Gnosticism. And that's what you see Young believing about these myths, which he passes on then to his student, Campbell. So some version of that, I mean, what I just described to you is the backstory of the, of the uh, Lord of the Rings. It, yeah, and it's, it's the Marvel retelling of Thor, 100%. Is the all father and and in the movies you don't know this yet i don't know if they're going to do this but the whole marvel universe has the, that same structure i just named there's a highest being called the one above all mm -hmm. but he's too good to interact he's like so pure he can't interact with lesser beings yeah. so then he's made little lesser beings like the celestials which interact with us you met, and we've met a few celestials in the movies like ego who is the father of um one of the guardians of the galaxy whatever his name is uh, think about that name yeah. ego what does yeah. that mean yeah, this was self. I uh, am. So, oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I. Who well, says I, their name I, is I am. I. It's I, right? I mean. Well, that's that's Yahweh. Yeah, a ego. Ego is, from the is movies I. identifying as Yahweh, who wants to have a baby with a human, uh, woman, and that baby will rule the universe with him. Okay, so I was looking that, up. Well, well, that's their view of the of the uh, of Yahweh. When you when you told me about this, you mentioned the one above all. I'd never heard of that concept. I used to be pretty into comic books when I was a kid. I subscribed to Batman, so I was there for the whole Bane saga in the you know early nineties. Mm -hmm. Superman, the the death of Superman. Yeah. And one of but one of our favorite comic book series, my family's, my brother Parker, whose show you were just on, um, we loved the uh, Infinity Gauntlet saga. Oh, okay. You know, and and which of course the Infinity War and Endgame were based yeah. off of that comic series. And I'd heard about Adam Warlock, Lock, and I'd heard of like the Watcher, and you know these the the Living Tribunal, mm -hmm. and the Goddess, and all these different, uh, very very like mythological type. I mean, we're not talking about Batman or Spider Man, like right, yeah. although even Spider Man, DC is a lot different. Right, right, right. Okay, but I'd never heard of this one above all, and you mentioned the one above all, and I looked it up last night, super late at night, middle of the night. <laughs> I was wired, man, and. I'm reading this, and then I'm reading about. So the the one above all is exactly how you describe, you know, him. It, but then, what I didn't realize is Yahweh. There's a character in the Marvel universe named Yahweh. Did you know this? I didn't know that. No, I just oh. saw the parallels with the ego character. But they actually have one named Yahweh. They have one named Yahweh, and and it is so blasphemous. I couldn't even finish reading about it. It it's like this Satan. It's it's like a satanically inspired mockery of of the Lord, and well, what I just described, sort of the the evil enslaver lawgiver. He's he's more like an incompetent. Uh, he's the god of the three monotheistic 
Abrahamic quote unquote religions. Yeah. And he's sort of this incompetent fool who gets married to the Virgin Mary and then they get separated. And it's like, I'm, I'm reading this just, oh, and he has like a, a, uh, what's called a, uh, not bipolar, but tripolar personality disorder. And that's the Trinity. That's the Trinity. Yeah. And it's, I'm reading this and I'm like, this is a, this is a demonic satanic mockery. So that's of, somewhat overt. Like the, the ones I'm talking about are that that's just like, here's what we think of your God. Right. 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 The ones I'm talking about are a little more subtle than that where people okay. could quickly miss them. And okay. And okay. so the fact that that's there though, should cue people. I mean, you should say, look, the, whoever's writing these things doesn't understand what I think mm -hmm. and they're making fun of it, right. but let me give them all my money. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so the monomyth then, if I understand it correctly, and again, I'm very new to this concept. It is, it's a, it's a recurring story and your thesis or, or at least the thesis that you subscribe to here is it's essentially a retelling of the story of Lucifer or Satan, but told from his perspective where he's the hero, correct? Yeah, right. So imagine that. I mean, whether you think there really is Lucifer or not, even if someone says there isn't, but just think about any character is going to describe their own account mm -hmm. the best way they can, right? So right. what would happen if the serpent tells his story? Now, in John Milton's Paradise Lost, you get a little bit of this because he he does some literary work and kind of gets us into the mind of the Lucifer character in two two uh, settings. First, in the heavens, when Lucifer rebels and he takes the some of the angels aside and he tells them why they should rebel. And the argument he gives is that for all they know, they're eternal. Now, this is in this is in John, John Milton's uh, myth, The Paradise Lost. Epic. This this sounds a lot like the Book of First Enoch. Uh Right. That's another, that's a no example. John Milton uh, is writing this. He's not writing it as if Lucifer is the good guy. He's okay. just, he's one of the characters. So you're getting Lucifer's take on why they're rebelling. Understood. Okay. And so what he says is God asked us to worship his son, but I love God so much. I won't worship anything except for God. And maybe we shouldn't even worship anything besides ourselves because maybe we're eternal. So then they're cast, they have the battle in heaven, they're cast out. So when he comes as a serpent to Eve, he uses the same temptation about the tree. And he says, look, God wants to hold you back. Mm -hmm. I'm offering you freedom. I'm offering you the opportunity to become a God yourself. Right. So that's kind of the theme here. I think in order to notice that theme, what we need to do is we have to understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Because it always comes back to, how, let's say, Jung, Carl Jung, understood Genesis 1 through 3. Mm -hmm. So let me give kind of a big picture of those chapters for our audience here. So we have Genesis starting off with God creating all things. It doesn't, it doesn't give us a proof God exists. It assumes you already know that only God is eternal. Right. And God's a creator of everything else. Other things aren't eternal. And it just starts there. And it gives you the description of the days, creation of humans. And, and we find Adam being given a command, be fruitful, multiply having dominion. So it's not just be fruitful, multiply, right? You're to have dominion over the world. And then we see him doing that in naming the creatures. And I don't think that's just like, like, like names like spot, Barky, Fido, right. Right. It's naming them in the sense of knowing the nature of things. The dogs are different than cats, which are different than giraffes. Okay. And, and in doing that, you'd come to know that 
the good for a thing is based on their nature. What's good for a dog is different than what's good for a cat because they're different kinds of things. Yeah. And that's also true for humans. And so mm. in that process, he realizes I don't have a helper. Right. And yeah. so then that's when we have this discussion of uh, God making Eve as a helper and the two, the one become two, which becomes one. Mm. And we have that picture of marriage. Then that sets us up for chapter three. And incidentally, the, the, the marriage there was not simply to be, to be fruitful, multiply. It was to have dominion together. Yeah. So it's not like Eve is just brought in so they can have babies. Right. No, he needs help doing dominion. That's right. So uh, now we get upset for chapter three. And we have introduced this character, the serpent, who is said is more wily than the other creatures. And he tempts Eve this way. He says, they've been told, don't eat of this tree. The day you eat, you'll surely die. Right. Not 900 years later, you'll die. The day you eat, you'll surely die. The serpent says, what did God say? And it's interesting to notice that Eve gets it wrong. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's wrong in a way where it's not uh, uh, completely wrong. She says, we shouldn't eat of it or touch it. But it shows, it makes you start to wonder, are they paying attention? Which is going to be the problem that comes up. Yeah. Or is she trying to rationalize what she's about to do? Something's going right. Something, right? In other words, it, it, it puts a little check mark in our thinking about it. Say, something's not right here. Why did she say that? Yeah. And then he says this. You won't surely die. Mm. So he offers a direct contradiction to what God said, yeah. which means God lied. Right. That's so right. God lied to you. And here's why. Then he gives an argument. God knows you'll become like God, knowing good and evil the way God does. Mm -hmm. Then she sees that the fruit is uh, pleasing to the eye. It looks good. I mean, I don't know what that means in one sense. Like, what's an ugly fruit? I don't know. Like, but this one looks right. really good. Yeah, and it looks it looks good. So you've got the 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 eye connect the lust of the eye. Yeah, it shows the sensuality, right? Yeah, like mm -hmm. that matters because couldn't you have good looking things that aren't aren't healthy for you? <laughs> right. So, but 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 in a sense, she's functioning like a like a child here. She's functioning like an infant. Well, oh, unfortunately, look, like like shiny. maybe maybe we don't grow out of that, right? In a sense, it's like right. a lot of adults That's, that I know. And, yeah. Not not me, but other people. Right? Oh well, sure. No, those those dirty sinners out there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right. So. So she says it's good, it's clean like, and then this is this is the Gnostic part. Gnostic means knowledge and, mm -hmm. and especially means secret knowledge. Right. It's good for gaining wisdom. Yeah. Especially this wisdom. The knowledge, the, the knowledge of good and evil the way God does. And I'm going to come back to this because many people slip on this point. I think this point is not simply knowing God, not knowing good and evil, which is what Jung says. That's why Jung says it's good because he says, hey, knowledge is good. So this is good for humans to eat the fruit. No, no, that's not it. It's knowing the way God does. And God knows good and evil as creator. Humans can't ever know things that way. That's going to be the problem that we're going to come back to in a minute. So okay. she sees that and she she goes ahead and eats it. And then she gives some to Adam. And he eats it. doesn't offer. He He's standing right there the whole time. He could right. have interjected and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He eats it. So they, in order to eat, they had to believe that God can lie. And they can be God. So the temptation revealed that they didn't know God. Because if you know any just basic things about God, you'd know an eternal creator who's infinite in knowledge and goodness doesn't lie. Right. And you can't ever be infinite or eternal. Right. Right. They don't know God. To eat reveals that. Mm. And so because of that, they immediately feel shame. I think that was the death that was spoken of. The day you eat, you'll surely die. They immediately have this spiritual death. Yeah. Right. Now... What's interesting is they cover themselves 
They think that will help somehow. It won't. But people, I, I ask my students this often, what else could they have done? And people don't come up with another answer. What else could they have done? They could have repented. Right. They could have felt shame and immediately said, oh, man, yeah. let's pray right now. We need to confess our sin. They didn't do that. They covered mm -hmm. it up instead. That's right. And, and then, then they, they hid from God as well. Yeah, that's what's coming up next is God oh, yeah. says, where are you? Yeah. And I don't take that as a like, hey, I don't see you out there. I take it as a uh, what happened, what, existential question. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Again, they could say, you know what? We blew it. We ate from this tree and then we tried to cover it up and hide from you. They don't. They blame each other. They turn on each other. Yeah. So then it's at that point. God doesn't argue with them. That's what's interesting. God doesn't say, you guys know you're wrong. Nothing else. He simply goes into the curse now on the creation, which is essentially is summed up as old age, sickness, and death. And so you'll find the religions of the world using those. Three. Even Freud talked about old age, sickness, death. Young, well, old age, sickness, death. Uh, I'm not seeing old age there because um, uh, I, I work and childbirth were the, the two curses, weren't they? Well, yeah. We, if you want, we can go into the specifics of the chapter. I'm kind of summarizing with those. Old age just means... Your the immortality they had would be like at your prime, unending. Yeah. Right, you're right, right. So there. you're going to start getting decrepit and go downhill. Yeah. You're going to start wearing out. The world is going to take its toll on you. Eventually, the world yeah. wins. You lose. You die. Well, you're right. There's there's the pain in childbearing. I often get asked that, like, well, how could it not? You, you understand the biology, right? How can this not hurt? Well, I don't know that it's that. Mo like you're thinking about it just as say those hours. Right. This is much worse than that. Yeah. This is you're going to be raising sinners, and the very next story is how one of your sinners kills the other one. Yeah, that's, that's right. Well, and not only that too, but animals, to my to my understanding, animals do not suffer through childbirth the way the human beings do. I don't think it's as painful for a cow to give birth as it is for a human woman. Yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, but that still might be more of the biology. But like, I don't know enough about correct. That one way Me neither. Right. But, but, but you're right. But there's clearly more to it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The pain that comes up, let's say, with Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, yeah. just as two examples of the brothers, because we can, we, the Gnostics love the story of the two brothers. Oh, yeah. So, and then you're right, toil for Adam, mm -hmm. uh, the, the ground producing thistles instead of fruit, culminating this uh, death. Yeah. Now, that is a problem that all humans face. I remember when I first found out about death. Mm. It's bothered me ever since then. Yeah. As a little kid, I found out. People that I knew are going to die. Like, mm -hmm. What? What is that? That's why. So humans struggle with this, and this is what got me to write my book on Job, because that's what the book of Job is about: is why is there suffering? And, and the very common answer is that God is punishing you. Mm. What's going on in Genesis three isn't punishment. Instead, it's a call to get them to stop and think, to repent of what they've done. That's what they should be hearing. It should make them reflect on they've not only violated the command, but by doing that, it revealed they didn't know God, and then they tried to cover it up and, and blame other people. They should repent of those things. And the fact that your life now has a terminal end, mm -hmm. and that in the middle part, in between now and then, is going to be lots of suffering, it's not punishing you. It's making you say, what have I done? What, what should I repent from? And, and there's parts of Scripture where... That's not called punishment. That's not called punishment. It's called God's love for you. Right. In, in Amos, it speaks that way. God is wooing his people with those kinds of things to make them think. What is it going to take you to think? All right. So let's take, there's that story. We'll bracket it off. Okay. 
Then we have, how would you tell that same story from the servant's perspective? Right. I'm giving you this secret knowledge that God wants to keep from you about how you can be equal to God. He doesn't want you to have that because he wants to keep you under his law. He wants to make you uh, just slaves, mindless slaves doing what he says. Yeah, he doesn't care and about you. Yeah, doesn't care about you at all. Just just personal motivation, doesn't want the competition. Right. And then when you disobey him, he flies into a rage. He becomes the god of death yeah. and imposes death on everyone. You're all dead. So Lucifer is still there saying, hey, I'm still going to help you through this. Oh. We, we can still whoa. get through Okay. Okay. So I hadn't seen that. So not only is there deception in bringing humanity to the point of sin, but then when they reap the consequences of that sin, death, it's not like Satan goes, ha, gotcha, suckers. Yeah. He, Satan goes, oh, no, dude. He wants oh, to be their savior. Right. Oh, no. So you asked. I'll help you through this. I'm here yeah, for you. Yeah, you asked earlier oh. about very common in all these stories is the descent to the underworld. Right. So the hero has to descend to the underworld to fight the god of death. Mm -hmm. The god who imposes death is the bad guy. And Orpheus is a one common example, goes down there to overcome death and bring his loved ones back out of death. Wow. And so you know Lucifer else? is going to give you those secrets of how to do that. Did you ever hear of the Robin Williams movie, What Dreams May Come? Yeah, yeah. Very similar concept. Yeah, that's a, yeah, right. I just thought so of it. Seeing, I never saw it. If you don't understand a couple things that we I went over just now in Genesis 1 mm -hmm. through 3, mm -hmm. which I call historic Christianity. So it's clear God is our creator. Our highest good is to uh, glorify God. Our chief end is to glorify God, and we do that by knowing him through his works. We yeah. can't ever be God. So any promise that you're going to be God or replace God is, right. is clearly wrong. Right. If you have those in place, you'll understand Genesis 3. But this story assumes the mindset that you didn't get that. You're thinking of God either as uh, a tyrant or as one of a heavenly council, mm -hmm. and there's other members of the heavenly council who can oppose him. And then that sets this whole story into place. And then that's why you'll get in the myths. The myths aren't just natural stories. Like, like in one way, Star Wars is just a natural story, although it does have afterlife stuff sometimes. But the myths, you know, generally tend to have going into the uh, the underworld uh, to go into death mm. and overcome the god of death to bring back resurrection. So it'll use those terms. So that's so oh, okay. All right, man. So much to unpack here. Can you just give us like? some like a list maybe of some examples of ancient myths and then i really want to get to modern day stories how we see this because this is the big teaser for this episode is how are modern hollywood stories and we've already got people in the comments asking about the hobbit and lord of the rings we have to get there so what All are right. some of the what are some of the ancient stories i have like, to be careful because these are people's favorites right they, they don't really care about the ancient stories if i point out that's Orpheus. right <laughs> Yeah. Like, who's that? Yeah. Prometheus, uh, I don't care about that. Yeah. yeah. The Odyssey, but, so what? But when we get to the Hobbit, this will be like, whoa, I hate that guy. They're, they're gonna I, turn I, the, I love these stories. Yeah, they're gonna right, turn so, it um, yeah, so two we just mentioned, Orpheus having to descend into the underworld. Um, there's a general pattern of the uh the goddess of fertility having to marry the god of death to appease him so that then that causes winter. And then she's allowed to be freed to come out of winter, and that brings spring. And then she has to go back to the god of death, and again, that's winter. So you'll have that, this idea that there's the god of death and the god of 
and the goddess of love, fertility, has to appease him. Interesting. You mentioned Prometheus just now. He's usually viewed as a, as a good guy. That's the right. theme of the story, right? So he, he steals fire from the gods to give to the humans. And I think a lot of times we mostly think of that as either heat or as cooking. Mm -hmm. But one of the other main things fire does is provides light. Mm. So Prometheus is the light bearer. He right. brings fire from the gods who say, don't give humans enlightenment. Keep them dumb so we can rule over them. Mm. He brings enlightenment to give the humans, and then he's punished by the gods. And then you'll have the story, similar story of the, the firebird or, or the phoenix. And it's so, somewhat funny because I live in Phoenix and my, my uh, campus is on a road called Thunderbird. And, and your mascot is the Sun Devils. Yeah. So it's like a, you're a steeped in it. You, you, yeah. you're, you were predestined from long ago to, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, to talk about this. Yep. So the, uh, the Thunderbird is the same thing. A poet wants to give a gift of enlightenment to humans, opposes the heavenly council, is cast from heaven. And as he falls from heaven, tears a hole in the sky, which causes a great flood on the world. So oh. the flood narrative is found in a lot of these as punishment by the heavenly council. And I say that because the word God is very ambiguous, right? Elohim. By God, I mean what the Westminster Shorter Catechism says in question four. God's eternal. God's mm -hmm. a spirit who's infinite, eternal, and unchanging in being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That's a full definition That's but good. usually what's meant here is something like a powerful spirit but not infinite right. and it's one among many often it's the father but he can be opposed his wife can trick him he has two mm. sons who can the younger son tricks him that's not what i mean by god at all so so i tend to speak more like say the heavenly council or or one of the spirit beings instead yeah. of god to avoid the ambiguity okay so okay go ahead no, no, no. Uh, no, please continue. This so the, um, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the flood is viewed as the gods are angry at humans for, for going their own way, for looking for freedom. And right. so they destroy them. The Babylonian <laughs> one interests me because you have, you have the standard duality in these stories of male and female, the yin-yang creating yeah. the world, often pictured as the male is the sky and the female is the earth. You know, the, real quick, Owen, this yeah. is... The other day, I saw somebody had posted something on Gab. It's like, I've been put on a, a no-fly list. I've got, uh, I, I, uh, I've been banned off of this social media platform. That's, and I didn't even do anything wrong. Okay, I, I'm not, I'm not saying whether this person is right or wrong, but there's something in our spirits that wants to say, look at all the bad things that happened to me, and I'm totally innocent. And isn't that person who's imposing these punishments and sanctions on me aren't they mean. terrible because i didn't do anything i clearly am in the right here and it's like yeah that's exactly how a sinful spirit or sinful mentality would tell the story of the flood yeah, yeah god wiped out humanity and we didn't even do anything wrong we, we weren't even we were just trying to be free we're free yeah we want, we want freedom from him and he he's threw into going into a rage yeah. and uh punched us you know like an abusive husband or something right so yeah, and, and and that's right. But that's what we said happened with Adam and Eve, right? God shows up and asks them, where are you? And Adam, as a gentleman, says, it's her fault, right? <laughs> right. And Eve doesn't say, hey, he's right. Eve says, no, I was I was minding my own business and the serpent came along. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, from the very beginning, that's what we've been doing is is passing responsibility. Right, right, right. Okay, okay. So. Oh, let me get let me finish the Babylonian yes. Yeah, part. yeah, 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 please. So the other gods in the council 
kill the male deity of the original pair and they make his body into the world in which they live. This is like, is this the Enuma Elish? What, what is yeah, this? Yeah, right, right. Okay. So you have, in other words, it continues this theme that matter's bad, matter's built out of death, material mm. world. Okay. But the mother goddess is angry at them. So she's sending monsters to fight against them. So they have to construct a hero who can oppose her monsters and defeat her. And that's called Marduk. And he ends up having, when you read about his characteristics, he has the same Luciferian ones that we've been talking about. He ends up defeating the original goddess, overthrowing her, because there's no, there's no god, the father one's already dead. So he overthrows the original ones and then rules the spirit beings, the demons, and the humans under them, and teaches the humans how to worship the demons. All right, so Marduk then, Marduk is, that's Satan, yes? Well, it follows that same pattern, right? Okay, okay, yeah. all right. But, but yeah, here, here's where I'm getting, here's where I'm a little confused, because if, um, you know, if this is like the story, the true story of cosmic history, but it's told from the villain's perspective, as if he's the hero, i.e. Satan, where does the mother god, mother goddess come from? You know, there's there's nothing in scripture about a mother goddess. I mean, there is there are yeah. false deities, the queen of heaven, and things like yeah, that. Right, right. You know, where where um the Israelites were worshiping her. Um, well, but, but where does that come I from? Think, I think in the in the Babylonian context, the mother goddess had to do with the waters also. Okay. So she's ruling the waters, and she unleashes the waters on humans who are being too noisy. They're bothering her. Oh, they're being too so noisy, right? Yeah, it's just just to destroy the humans. She could care less about them. Hmm. But I think that duality is very common to say that it, it comes out of when I first started going over Genesis with you. Right now, I said Genesis starts off by saying only God's eternal, nothing else is. In these stories, what you have, almost without exception, is that everything's eternal. All things start out as one. And then they divided into two things. And then from there came the multiplicity of things. And the goal of existence is to go back to being part of the one. Right. And that's what's often just called as the one. So when you read Plotinus, that's what he's talking about. And so deification or becoming God is the goal, hmm. which is the temptation in the garden, right? Yeah. And that's, it, this all sounds very Eastern what we would today well, consider to be Eastern religion. All sometimes, again, but there could be an ambiguity there. I think what we might speak about as uh, Protestants is sanctification. Yes. We're made more holy mm -hmm. as we increasingly overcome sin in our life through the, the grace of God. Yeah. The Lord of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times that's what Eastern Christians are talking about. We'll oh, get into the details. Yes. No, 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 no. To totally fair. I was not referring to the Eastern Orthodox oh, concept oh, yeah. of theosis, which oh. is sort of like sanctification on steroids, which yeah. I, I think is probably, if I understand it rightly, it's probably fine. I'm talking more along the lines of Hinduism, Buddhism, the concept that all is literally one. Mm. Atman, yeah. the human soul, is Brahman, the world soul. Yeah. And realizing that is the first step toward yeah. achieving, you know, reunification with the one with Brahman. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's certainly in those. And, and those systems are very well worked out philosophically, but it's also there in the Greek myths. And it's also there in the Greek philosophers that the very first philosopher Aristotle said is a fellow named Thales. Hmm. And he said, all is one, all is water. Right. And that's the Babylonian goddess. All things came out of that 
and and are still made up of that. So this theme that all is one is just the rejection of Genesis one one. Right, because and John John chapter one is a rejection of those who say no. Not only God's eternal, everything's eternal. Right. Okay. Okay. So you've laid out the the ancient depictions of these things. People want to know about the Hobbit and they want to know about Marvel. And look, man, I, I am I am chomping at the bit here to get to Hollywood because um several years ago, back in like 2009, 2010, I watched this video by a company called Little Light Studios, I think. And they do a lot of these, I think they're kind of like dispensationalists and, and they do these videos on, um, and I don't know what your eschatology is and your hermeneutical framework, probably should have talked about that. We'll, we'll get into that stuff when we talk about Job. But yeah. um, but they um, they talked about the first, oh, you know what it was? It was Transformers. They did this expose on Transformers. And, and now remember, they're kind of like dispensationalists and they're talking about Transformers as though it's the book of Revelation, which they understand dispensationally, told as if Satan and the Antichrist are the hero. So so, so go with me on this, because then I, I'm just gonna throw this out there and then I'd like you to unpack yeah, sure. how this how this uh, you know plays out. I haven't but heard you, that one before, I'm just thinking through what you're telling me. Okay, okay, so so get this, right? So you've got these vis, now we live in a post-enlightenment age, we live in a materialist world, so to speak. So it's interesting you said in the old days they used to go down into the underworld, you, today you don't see that, but yeah. you sort of have a materialist retelling of the story anyway. So check this out. You've got visitors from the heavens, um, not the spiritual heaven, but yep. the the, the cos cosmic heavens. The, the world heavens. will just turn them into physical beings. Yeah, bingo. Right. So they come down, and they're otherworldly. You know, they're half machines, so they're they're different. Um, they, and they're better. The the difference is makes yes. them better than us. Right. That's right. And that's sort of what's behind transhumanism. We're going to become trans. We're going to transcend humanity through technology so here you've got sort of the inevitable result of that these sentient machines they come down from outer space or the heavens and they're looking for this cosmic cube or whatever it is so there's always a cosmic cube it's interesting yeah, something um and um they come down and the 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 good guy is what, what's the good guy's name uh optimus prime. Op optimus prime thank you the first best optimus prime best first he comes down and what happened to optimus prime he there was a war in heaven on their home yeah. planet he yeah. was essentially cast out he comes down and now he's becoming friends with humanity but then what's happening uh, uh Me megatron yeah is coming and megatron sounds an awful lot like metatron the one closest to the throne which is yeah. an ancient gnostic yep. concept you know it was even sort of a hebrew concept you know there's the i've heard it described as you know the angel of the lord is I've heard it is and it isn't the angel of the Lord, but in the Old Testament, there's the angel of the Lord who's close to the throne of God, represents God. But here you've got not Metatron, but Megatron, yeah. who comes down and he's evil and he wants to destroy humanity. But don't worry, Optimus Prime and his fellow celestial yeah. machine beings are going to unite humanity. And you literally have the unification of humanity around this cause of defeating the enemy invader from the heavens who wants destruction. And that is, Owen, it's yeah. it's Zack Snyder's Justice it League. That, it fits that, no, what I call the Gnostic myth perfectly, yes. doesn't it? Yes. Now, here's the thing. This is why when you were at the very beginning mentioning Satanism and Luciferianism, and, and you might remember the, the satanic scare of the 80s, I'm yeah. not, that is more getting to people's intentions. And like I said, there's a guy behind there twisting his mustache, and he's right. doing it on purpose. Right. I don't know what the writers are thinking. 
they might be thinking let's do this on purpose but they might not they might just be saturated in these myths growing up their whole life mm -hmm. and produce a story like that I, I think if i talk to them they wouldn't be able to really articulate the story i that i did of genesis one through three yeah so it isn't as if they have a clear idea of who god is and they want to fight against it right they just think this is the story to tell. This is the story you find in a, a thousand places. So in other words, I'm saying one way or the other, I don't know that what their intentions are, but it fits this stuff very well. It is what's called Gnostic mysticism. And you ask about the cube, you'll find geometrical figures like the like the ones the, that uh, Thanos wants yeah. as central because numerology is often a big part. It's huh. magical numbers, magical shapes that are made out of the numbers. Hmm. So that that's a whole different study of what the different numbers mean but that's why they end up doing that kind of thing okay and and you know transformers i mean so i just recently watched Zack snyder's justice league have you seen that i haven't seen that one. Oh, it's it's i will say it's pretty good i um i believe i i think when i watched the first one the joss Whedon one i like fell asleep i don't even really yeah. remember it but the new one is is a lot better it's a major improvement but man i'm telling you it is the exact plot well, yeah, isn't superman the story right Right? Totally. <laughs> yeah, the, right? The, he was cast out of the heavens, came yeah. down, and now he's going to save humanity? Yeah. So, um, it's a, so it's a, And I think in one of the Superman movies, not these recent ones, but one of them, he either dies or pass out in the shape of a cross and fall oh, yeah. back to Earth. I think and that's so, yeah, a, all the Christians were like, the gospel super, and Superman. Right, right. It's like, maybe, maybe not, though. Yeah, I think it was Superman Returns, the one that Something came like out that. about a decade ago. So, yeah, how does he save is a very important point. How mm. does he save? Why does he save? You got to get into the details of of atonement, not yeah. just that he saves his people. Everyone does that. Yeah, every leader is supposed. Like Leonidas saves Greece by opposing the Persians. Right. I don't know that that means he's a Christ figure. Just because he's a savior, right? Yeah. All right. So why does all? Oh yeah. Some people wanted to get us into. I, I want to ask answer this question. Why does this matter? Is this just kind of fun speculating? But before that, yeah. So getting into some of the others, some of the big ones. Now, the Hobbit. We could look at the themes that we talked about of uh, opposing death, who imposes death. But what I gave you earlier, I think, is what's from the Cimmerillion about the world structure yes. of Middle-earth, right? You have a, a high being who is now distant, not involved, originally made the world gone. And you have lesser spirit beings who are the ones who are trying to exert rule. I think the, the bad guy is named Morgoth. Okay. And his apprentice is Sauron. So Sauron's trying to represent Morgoth to Middle-earth to prepare a way to rule Middle-earth. And he's being opposed by, th there's another deity who Gandalf is, is her apprentice. And Gandalf comes into this world, he, he's a, and like an angel comes to this world, to help oppose that rule of Sauron. And, I mean, that looks like what we just described, doesn't it? Okay. Okay. Now you're treading on sacred ground here. Because, I know. <laughs> because I know. You understand, Owen, if, if this theory is correct, uh, Gandalf is essentially Lucifer at this point. Well, Lucifer again, so this is going to bring that you put up that image earlier, you horns and red. Yeah. He's the one, I think he's called Gandalf the white at one point, And he has a staff mm -hmm. that has a light shining out of it. Yeah. He's bringing light to Middle Earth. Oh, man. 
right? This he does is, have a journey down also. He opposes he does. the Balrog that's right. and, and goes down and has to fight this spirit of death and mm -hmm. overcome the spirit of death. And that's when he becomes Gandalf, Gandalf the White. That's right. Yeah, he was Gandalf now, the Grey. He goes down. Here's yeah. what everyone's going to want to know. Mm -hmm. Are you saying Tolkien, blah, blah, blah? No, I'm not saying that. Tolkien mm -hmm. was a scholar of myth. He knew all about all the myths, and he was constructing one of his own. I'm not suggesting any intentions on Tolkien's part. Just noticing parallels that he himself may very well have wanted to be in there. Um, and, oh, okay, all right. Uh, so, so in that, in that scheme then... I think, and incidentally, I think there's some account of how he was upset at C.S. Lewis for being too heavy-handed with Christian imagery. Right, so he, yes. I think Tolkien wouldn't want you to write books like the gospel in the Lord of the Rings, right? He, he wants you to just take it for what it is and not look for your own agendas in there. Yeah. I, I have a, I have an episode with, uh, Michael Jahoski who wrote, um, the good news, uh, the good news of the return of the King. Great, yeah. great book on Tolkien. And, and, you know, he, he emphasizes, he's like, look, the, the Lord of the Rings world, it is allegorical, but it's not Narnian allegory. It's yeah. it's different. It's more subtle. It's you know it. The themes are there, but it's there's not a one to one parallel like yeah. Aslan is Jesus. You know, it's there's right. nothing like that. So don't don't try to look for the resurrection of Gandalf as like the resurrection of Christ. It's not right. there. Um, but, but it could be again. It's more like the Phoenix. Yeah. So so this is this is my question. Then are we? Is the Gospel Coalition wrong to look for? I haven't read Gospel Coalition in a long time. But very, I, have, I don't know. I think I know the kind of articles you're mentioning. I you know what I mean. Specific. Like yeah. uh, 17 gospel themes in whatever movie. You know, here's yeah. here's how to find the gospel and this and that. Are 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 you um, are you of the opinion that instead we should be seeing articles like beware the subtle messaging of this movie because it's a teaching a Luciferian myth. No, see, that's part of, I don't want to get, I don't want to sound as if I'm suggesting or get lumped into kind of the moralizing finger waggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The funny, yeah, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Uh, my policy is read everything, watch everything mm. and understand it. Okay. So I don't want, that's not at all what I'm suggesting. That's why I said, what, 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 what's the outcome? Who cares about this stuff? What's the purpose of bringing this stuff up? Is it, is it just to like tell Christians, keep your kids away from the, these naughty stories? No. Um, it's that what we, instead of writing a story, 17 things to know about Jesus in, in the Hobbit, are we able to articulate the story of Genesis one through three? Hmm. How well do we do understanding that for ourselves in light of what historic Christianity has taught? Okay. And how well do we do with the exact same test Adam and Eve were given? Now we're never going to most likely have a talking snake tell us about a tree. Right. But we are tested every day about putting ourselves in the place of God. Yeah, We're tested every day about our knowledge of God. So my reason for bringing this up isn't to take the fun out of stories. It isn't to suggest don't read or see them. Obviously, I know about them, and I, so I see them. Mm -hmm. uh, is to say this should challenge us to know our story and not fall into cheap cliche, cliches where you say, well, uh, Gandalf seemed to die. Jesus dies. So I guess they're the same. Well, maybe not, right? There's a lot of heroes that die and come back, and they're not Jesus. Yeah, right, right. So let's get to know our story really well. Okay, so then, then here, this is I have to know this: is Iron Man Lucifer? 
I, uh, Iron Man is my wife's favorite, so I got to be careful. My, mine too, but she says that I remind her of Iron Man. So. I can I can see that. I can yeah. see that for sure. So, <laughs> uh, so I don't know Captain America and Iron Man. I'm not sure. It's not as directly obvious as Thor and Loki, who are the two brothers. Right. I mean, what both their helmets have horns. I mean, how obvious they are. <laughs> like that's the one where there there are horns sticking out yeah. of them. Yeah. And there's a dynamic there. That's usually the two brothers are usually Yah uh, uh, Yahweh or some version of wisdom is the older one, hmm. and then uh, Lucifer is the younger one. And here, here's what here's what Carl Jung said as he wrapped up his Job book, his analysis of Job. Job had to learn some things, but so did Yahweh, and his younger son helped him understand those things. Oh, that's that's his analysis of Job. Oh, okay. You know what that reminds me of is uh, there was a uh, there's this pastor, quote unquote, recently who made this uh, viral video about how jesus had to repent of his own racism and it's like man yeah, something, something like that where it's like yeah some the wrong god so so why does it matter that's why it matters iron man and captain america i mean you you gave some themes about opposing those who are coming from above yeah it's interesting that they're opposing thanos which most people don't know means death death right right so they're opposing death yeah um but that's good right death is not you know, so it doesn't it doesn't fill in why there's death. So but, yes, I don't want to draw a yes. close connection to Iron Man. But 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 also, how are they opposing death? And this is what. So you look at these movies and um, Star Wars. Man, you can tell that Star Wars got bought out by Disney and so did Marvel because Star Endgame. Spoiler alert: If anyone hasn't seen it, um, Endgame, Marvel's finale, and the last uh, Star Wars one, whatever it was called. I don't even remember. I hate the new ones, but um, yeah, I forget too. The Rise but, of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Thank you. They both their climactic battles both end the same way. There's like this surprise, uh, uh, mustering of all the troops from all over the galaxy. All the heroes are together, and we're all going to oppose this evil, right. um, almost godlike, you yeah. know, enemy. And and Transformers is the same way. Independence Day, remember Independence Day? Yeah, right. Same, same thing. All the world, we're gonna get to even um. You know what? Ronald Reagan in like the 1980s made this remark. He's like, the only way we're probably gonna get everybody, all the nations together, is if there's an external extraterrestrial threat. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's like, yeah, right. There, we're hardwired to oppose the enemy invader from the sky. That's our. Yeah. That's that's every alien movie. That's you know. Or, but also this. The UFO seekers of today, don't, they don't usually view them as negative, or there might right. be good ones and bad ones. Right. But they're just the same as polytheists. I mean, it's just right. the modern day, like like Fox Mulder, mm. just just a polytheist in the old days who would say, "There's a guy up on Mount Olympus." Yeah. Fox Mulder's like, "No, there's some guys up there who are going to help us out." Now that that is very interesting. You're right because because you do have two different kinds of quote unquote aliens. You've got the ones that come down to bring enlightenment, and it's never like. They never come down and go, "Hey, repent and believe in Jesus Christ." You know, it's always like, like find the truth within you, and like we're we're Some your mature. evolved descendants or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, so they're always preaching evolution. They're always um, they're always bringing some ungodly, uh, unbiblical message. I'm not an evolutionist, by the way, in case that wasn't obvious. <laughs> um, they 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 always bring you know well, some spiritual, yeah, the spiritual evolution. Like, people now think evolution just means of the species, right? But that that that's actually pretty Darwin. The Greek materials were talking about that. But also mm. spiritual uh, evolutions, a whole separate thing, right? That that's what the, the garden temptation was about. You can evolve to become mm. God yourself. Yeah, mm. man, that's good. Okay, so so here's why here's why I kind of poke fun at it because I know people, there's people who love Lewis or we didn't really talk about C.S. Lewis, 
and he is a little different because he's so directly trying to be it. But love Marvel, love Star Wars, love Tolkien, and they say, well, so is Anderson trying to run our fun? No, I am poking a little bit of fun to, to you know be humorous and get some joking going. But what I would just encourage people to do is say, yeah, let's let's make this not allow us to fall into superficial similarities. Okay. Let's work this to get to know our own account. How is God known? How should Adam and Eve have known God? How how should Job have known God? And that sets us up for our, you and I our talk for next time. That's good about my work in Job. And yeah, then that's true for us. How should we know God? That, that that's that's very good. And you know the one thing I want to push back on what you said. And I'm not I, I don't I do not have a fully formed view on this, but the knowledge of good and evil, the ability to tell knowledge, uh, tell good from evil that was promised to Adam and Eve in the garden. So I've um, I've sort of unofficially adopted the view of Doug Wilson who says, the problem wasn't being able to discern good from evil, the problem was essentially trying to get there prematurely. Mm -hmm. um, you look in Hebrews, it's like, uh, you know, um, uh, solid food is for the the mature right. who have had their sent, you know, their, their powers of discernment honed, you know, through practice of discerning good from evil. Um, all throughout scripture, you've got this idea that a child cannot discern good right. from evil. Yeah. And here you've got Satan offering this to Adam and Eve. Hey, don't, you know, get, just take the shortcut. It's kind of like what he did with Jesus. Like, look, right. just turn right. the stone to bread, man. Just take the shortcut. Or, or worship me and you'll get the kingdoms. You don't have to yes. die on the cross. Yes, it, mm -hmm. take the shortcut. And I think that that's a really good practical application here. It's trying to achieve salvation through some means other than what God, God gave, yeah. has, has promised. I don't think that's wrong. I okay. just am adding to it in this sense. It, it's true that humans have to mature. Yeah. But so let me, two things. First, you don't, the, the consequences have to match the offender. Okay. If you go in the kitchen right now when we're done, you see your kid's hand in the cookie jar and he's not supposed to say cookies. Yeah. You don't say death. <laughs> right. Boy, he's just a little kid. Right. So if Adam and Eve are just little kids, mm. good grief. Now this is feeding into the very story we're talking about that God is too heavy handed. Okay. So you have to account for that. But then secondly, Satan isn't just telling good and evil as God. Mm. And that's You'll not be as God. Yes. Okay. So it Sorry, that's not what? Yeah, we're going to rule. We are yeah. going to rule. Uh, there is a maturing that occurs. It's just that there's that added piece of you're, Satan's offering something you can't have. Yeah. Right? Not okay. just something you don't have yet. All right. All right. All right. And that's the that's the theme. That's Man, if you watch Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League, please tell me what you think. Because I'm telling you, the way that Darkseid, who's the villain in that, he's like he's even above... Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf was the bad guy in um, the original one. The yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Well, Steppenwolf in this one worships, and I don't mean like like metaphorically. He worships Darkseid. He. It sounds well, like that's it, like Sauron and Morgoth. Then. Oh yeah, totally. He's ushering in the rule yes. of this other one. One hundred percent, and it's it, and that's a parallel to in uh, Infinity War. There's the the whoever the guy is who heralds. You know, he says, you know, you are blessed because you are, he, when he takes out the uh, survivors of Asgard on their ship, he goes, mm -hmm. you know, you're very blessed because you're being destroyed by the one who's going to rule. And it's, yeah. and it's, it's very, it's like darkly biblical in reverse kind of, it's like right, a dark right, photo exactly. negative, yeah. you know? So um, that's what happens a lot of times. Satanism, the people are worried about, they talk about it as, as making things upside down and backwards. So yeah. you'll have like an inverted crucifix right. or a dark mass. Yeah. So they take it literally, like physically things are inverted. But there's also the inverting of stories. Yeah. Right? Where you call good evil and evil good. 
and 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 you don't de- you don't depict the good guys as ugly and the bad guys as handsome. You depict your opponent as really ugly and he tries to hurt people. Right. So of course you have that going on, but we have to learn discernment. That's part of maturity. Instantly learning to discern good and evil. We have to learn to discernment as we hear these stories and say, is this really like Genesis one through three, or is this more like that other story that's been around also? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Are you good? Do you have enough time to take a few questions? Sure. Okay. Um, by the way, for those who don't know, Dr. Anderson was recently on, um, you know what I just thought of? You're, you're living, you're, you're a sun devil. What were the other ones? Pramit, in the, what, what was the I'm, other? A, I'm in the city of Phoenix. Phoenix. And my, my office is on a road called Thunderbird. Thunderbird. Also Phoenix, yeah. And you're also Mr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, think about that. That's a great example because in the first movie, when Mr. Smith is describing to Anderson why he hates humans, mm-hmm. it sounds so interesting. He hates everything about the material world. Yes. And it just that's what that's like the high point of all three movies is just that description of what mm. what he finds wrong with the world and what is Neo, which you can rearrange those words into one, one. the one. What is he going to provide as salvation? Yeah. Yes. And. Uh, you know, this is why I love C.S. Lewis. I didn't used to, but man, I've gotten into him lately. My brother really uh, ha- has helped me get into C.S. Lewis. But in, have you read that hideous strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so that I love that because here you've got like the disdain for the material world comes from uh, Frost, but right. Frost is clearly evil. It's like, like no, the material world. Uh, Lewis says, "Hey, you've got this mythic spiritual world, but you've also got the material yeah. world. They're both good." Yeah, God They're, created the world very good. Yes. So this, this the disdain for the material world that Frost espouses in that book, that is so clearly evil. Yeah, that and just the gen and, and in that story, the the inversion of the commandment be fruitful, multiply. The hatred of humans. There's yeah. too many humans. We need to limit how many humans there are. Yeah, does which that is the opposite familiar? of the commandment in Genesis. Yeah. Man, sometimes I look at our headlines and I'm like, we're living in one of these stories. Because look, um, the, the the hatred of humanity, you know, pro-abortion and, and uh, hum, human beings are a virus. How many times have we heard that? You know, humans That's are right. a virus. We're bad for the environment. Um, not only that, though, but uh, this 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 quest to uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll say this. The recent rise in UFO sightings. Doesn't this feel like we're being set up for something? It's really interesting, huh? Yeah. Uh, I, I did a podcast recently about how UFOs don't equal aliens. Thank right? you. But you could have a rise in UFOs. Let, let's say there isn't a rise in UFOs. That's one possibility. That's just not true. It's a false narrative. But it could also be true that there is a rise in UFOs for a number of reasons that have nothing to do with aliens on other planets. Right. So that's yeah, right. it's interesting how people immediately say, and the, at least the people I hear, that's the good news. They're like, they're here to save us. We're finally yeah. going to be saved from ourselves. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, Okay. That, n- spoiler alert for everyone who doesn't know, there was a savior who did come from the heaven. Uh, his name is Jesus Christ, came about 2,000 years ago. He died on the cross for sinners like you and me. Salvation comes for, through repenting of your sins, believing in him, and uh, and you will be saved. And guess what? You'll get to go to the heavenlies. <laughs> you'll be, you'll get, you'll get the glory and the, the eternal life that uh, you're, that you long for. Um, and it's interesting. One one other addition that comes in a lot of times that we were just talking about the hatred of the material world. Yeah. So when you say heavenlies, it could be ambiguous as well because a lot of the story makes humans want out of our world, not mm. out of natural evil, 
which is different, that will be removed, but out of this world to go somewhere else, which is not the same as the new heavens and the new earth. Right, so where heaven really comes important. to us. Yeah, that's a really important difference is that the teaching of being saved is you get saved to get out of here. Yeah. And people say that, I'm just waiting to die and get out of here. Yeah. And say, well, yeah. what about the resurrection of the dead? You're actually gonna have a body again. Yeah, 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 That mm, that's good. All right. Um, Hey, Joel here from the Think Institute. Would you like to bring the Think Institute to your church, group, ministry, or conference? We can provide high quality, theologically sound, and engaging education in the areas of evangelism, apologetics, and the biblical worldview. We've spoken at churches, schools, conferences, and groups in Chicago, Indianapolis, Franklin, Tennessee, New Orleans, Dubai, and the Philippines, and more. We want to help your local church, ministry, or conference fulfill your piece of the Great Commission. We can provide teaching in person or remotely using our state-of-the-art conferencing technology. Learn more about bringing me or a member of the Think Institute team to your church, ministry, group, or conference by going to thethink.institute slash booking. That's thethink.institute slash booking. Lots more we could unpack, but let's get to some questions here. Um, all right, so if you have a question and you haven't answered it yet, I'm sorry, if you haven't asked it yet, you can leave it in the comments, start it with the word question, and I will try and find it. We've got a lot of, not only do we have questions and comments, but we have like just a lot of um, chatter, a lot of, a lot of jibber-jabber going on in the comments, which is good. That's a good thing. But let's see if we can uh, suss out some of the questions here. Okay. Uh, Michael Jahoski, speak of the speak of the uh, bell ring. Yeah, he had, he had me on his show. Oh, he did. Yeah. Oh, look at this. This is worlds colliding. This is great. Yeah. All right. Well, so he says, "Hello, gentlemen. Love the topic. There's a great book outlining the differences between Campbell's Union mythos versus C.S. Lewis's understanding of mythos. It's called True Myth by Gavin Menzies. You ever heard of it? I haven't read that one. No. Me neither. Um, okay. So, Michael, thank you for the recommendation. Um, that's good. Everyone go check that out. Yeah. Well, Rich I think there's something to this. I think uh, C.S. Lewis has a quote about that, about um, myth becoming fact. Yeah. So it, it's coming out of the, the modern world uses the word myth, and what they mean by that is a false story. Now, yeah. I'm not using it that way. I, I mean by myth more like an origins story. And, yeah. and in that sense, there's the Darwinian myth, right? There's a Darwinian origin story. Right. I'm, that's not a comment about the truth or falsity of it, even if I do think one way or the other, I can give proofs for that. So I think part of what C.S. Lewis is saying is we have deeply held desires and this story meets those. And in doing that, it is true. Yeah. Um, and, and so you have true myths, which to the modern world, more more his day, I think in the postmodern world, I don't know that we use the word myth that way, but I think in the 20th century, myth among the academics that he was with just meant false. Right, right. So for yeah. us, it's a little different now, but I think that's part of what we need to do, and part of what I'm encouraging people to do, is to, by knowing the correct story, you're able, you're better able to assess the other stories. And right. I think the correct story starts with creation. And I'm going to do this when we go to Job. Job's attention is not directed to Scripture. It's directed to creation. Yeah, We should be able to show how God exists as a creator of the world, and made the world very good. We should mm -hmm. be pressed to do that. So these other stories should make us want to work on that ourselves to know to know what we believe. 
Yeah, that's good. You know, I just thought of, you mentioned Darwin. Uh, think about the, the way that the, that the journey of Darwin down to the, was it the Galapagos Islands? Yeah. Think about the way that that's told. You could mythologize got, that too, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, here, there's actually a really interesting book by Cornelius Hunter titled Darwin's God. And what I like about this is he gets into Darwin's diaries to show some of what he was thinking while he was producing the theory of evolution. Hmm. And one of the main things for Darwin is the problem of evil. He has a view of God. I think in the book it's called the Victorian view, but it's really the same view we've been talking about here. God is so good. God couldn't be involved in evil things. Hmm. So since we see the world around us now and it's filled with evil, there must be some other mechanism to explain how we got the world we see it as we see it today. Okay. So it sounds very pious. Like I'm protecting God from the evil of the world. Right. But that's just that same old story that the, the creator God is distant yeah. and not involved anymore. Yeah, and so yeah, Darwin's yeah. different because he's giving material mechanisms not not spiritual mechanisms right but it's the same motivation that that's man that's that's good and even i know you know the way i'm thinking of it is the myth of darwin the man himself who leaves england goes down to the galapagos islands uh you know there's your special world he crosses the mm -hmm. threshold he goes down and while he's there he receives this enlightenment Lightning, he looks yeah. at the, the finches and he receives this theory this idea and he returns back to england with this yeah. new enlightenment and what does he do he wants to liberate or no, it was Charles Lyell who wanted to liberate um, uh, uh, the, the study of ancient rocks, geology, geology from Moses. And he mm -hmm. and Darwin revolutionized the study of historical science. Yep. And yeah, that's interesting to see. I hadn't thought about it before, but that's a, that's a good connection of how that story is told to people. Yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. Not the, not the Darwinian myth itself, like the right. evolutionary story, but the, the myth of Darwin. And look how yeah. Darwin is deified. You know, Darwin is viewed as the light bringer. He's viewed as the, uh, the liberator. He figured it out. He figured it out. Mm -hmm. um, okay, okay. Well, you're right, though. He didn't sit in his office in England and figure it out. He had to go on this epic hero's journey. Right, right. He went on the hero's journey. Okay. Uh, Richie Torres says, Godzilla one, atheist Zilla zero. Richie, thanks for that constructive uh, uh, <laughs> contribution. Uh, Richie's funny. I okay. haven't seen the new Godzilla movie, so I don't, I'll have to watch that and see uh what's going on there i don't know yeah it's interesting uh i i did watch it i watched godzilla king of monsters tried to watch it a bunch of times fell asleep uh and then uh, but i finally watched godzilla versus kong and that's in it oh you know what you gotta watch godzilla versus kong i won't okay. tell you what happens but there's as i'm thinking about it wow strong monomyth uh yeah. elements i mean i'm just i'm it's just now clicking yeah. for me Strong, but there's even like an underworld kind mm -hmm. of concept. Wow. Owen, man, you got to watch it and then let me yeah, know what you it, think. It, it kind of pops, right? When you start to know what to look for. Yeah. But then, then again, my hope for all of our listeners will be, it's not, it's not a conspiracy theory. I'm not suggesting that there's a right one way or the other, that there's a group doing this on purpose. Just this has been a story that's being told for some time. Get to know the other story. Yeah, that's good. And I don't okay. mean by story false. Right? So it's not a story. It's the gospel. I know. I just mean get to know what story. actually happened in Genesis 1 through 3. Yeah. Get to yeah. know that God's revealed in the creation. Creation is not bad. It's a revelation of God. Amen. Okay. Is this why Mephisto wasn't in WandaVision? I, no. I don't fully understand that question, even though I've seen most of one. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, so I want to be able to okay. figure uh, that fair, one out. Fair, um, fair enough. Yeah. Vision's an interesting character, right? Because he's one of those hybrids also who's 
who's uh, partly physical but partly just a computer program. Right. I, I, so I, yeah, man. He gets a stone, and then, so yeah, I, I haven't done a lot of work on on that one. Okay, so I, I still is interesting just because uh, that's a shortened version of Mephistopheles, who's that's that's one of the stories of the professor in Mephistopheles, Faust in Mephistopheles, Faust, who's yeah. promised enlightenment if he gives his soul. Yeah, right. So Mephisto is a short version of that, and I don't know if you remember, but there was a short period of time where Bono had an alter identity, Mister Mephisto. What? There's like 91 and through 93 or something. Really? Yeah, I never really understood what was going on. It didn't really fit into U2 or, or what I understood of Bono. But yeah, look back on that and you'll you know just type up Bono and Mr. Mephisto. What was he doing? Yeah, and you know you actually see that a lot. Um, what's her name? Beyonce had uh, I Am Sasha Fierce. She came out mm -hmm. with this alter All, ego. Another, another alter ego, yeah. Yeah, you see a lot of these pop stars, they, they develop these alter egos who, I don't know if this happened with Mr. Mephisto, but... Um, with uh, Beyonce, her alter ego was eventually just absorbed into her personality. Hmm. She said, I don't need Sasha Fierce anymore because this is basically who I am. And, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, that sounds... Uh, Some of them are more explicit. Like You mentioned, um, what was the one you mentioned, the angel that's by the throne of God? Uh, Metatron. Metatron. Yeah. If I understand right, I think Santiana said that he would channel Metatron before his concerts. Jeez. So I think he was getting, I mean, that must come from some kind of uh gnostic mysticism where he's yeah. thinking that's like the goddess to, or god of inspiration yeah oh oh man okay before we get any more any more comments i i want to tell everybody this story real quick because this is so you might say well how, do, how is any of this stuff relevant look last night i was doing an ama on discord discord you familiar oh, yeah. with discord your story yeah so somebody somebody uh asks me what do you think about uh satanism and I'm like, well, you know, Satanism as a philosophy, they don't really believe in Satan, most of them. You know, they're atheists. They just like Satan as sort of a a, 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 mo a role model, you know, mm -hmm. of rebellion. Kind of like how Saul Alinsky dedicated his book to Lucifer. You know, I don't really believe in him, but great pattern to follow because he's a rebel, according to them. It's like, hey, guys, you know, Satan loses in the end. Really not a great, not a great choice. Yeah, I've always wondered that. If you take it literally, yeah, you've got... Like, like it's like you're on the. I was going to use a sports analogy, but I'll I'll, I'll offend somebody because everyone loves some team. It's like Anderson's going to play against the Yankees. You <laughs> right. can't win, right? So, and it's worse than that because God's infinite. But that's not what the story is. The story is God's one of a heavenly council, right? Who can be opposed? Yeah, yeah. No, that that's right. Well, that's but that's why I'm saying Genesis begins with God is. I gave the definition for oh, the yeah. short of catechism: infinite, eternal, and unchanging. Yeah, that, and that's good. And I like how you started us out with Genesis 1 through 3. We have to understand that first before we get into the monomyth. So we have to know what the authentic story is before we see the, the counterfeit for what it is. Yeah. Okay, so... But what happened on Discord? So this guy, he asks me, he goes, well, what about Luciferianism? And in Luciferianism, he, he described it for me. He goes, I've got this friend or it's his brother-in-law or somebody who's a self-proclaimed Luciferian. And basically what he believes is God is essentially aloof and doesn't want us to have knowledge and truth, but there, you know, Lucifer is this intermediate being who's higher than humanity and opposes God. And he's the one who brings creativity and art to humanity and art and creativity are how we actually access truth. What do you think yeah. about that? And I go, I go that I instantly recognize that as this monomyth yeah. type story. And I said, well, look, this is an old trope. It's been in all the old myths and it's it's foolish because um, number one, 
if you're going to take these biblical categories of Lucifer and God to go all the way with it and be consistent, again, Lucifer loses, but, but also, um, look what happens when you abandon God and then try to do art. You get ugly, abstract art. You get these, uh, mon monstrosities of, of music where people have tried to do, you know, postmodern music is, is ugly. It has dissonance. Yeah. They it's, end up changing the whole category of beauty. That's right. What counts as beauty. That's, yeah, that's I, right. but here, here's what's interesting. Here, here's what I would add to that. And this is a great kind of, as we come to the end, I'm glad this came up because um, maybe I should have brought this up sooner is what I mean. You know the truth through uh, art. Now, art is in a category, it's called non-cognitive, right? So when you okay. paint a painting, it's not like a philosophical essay where you're saying uh, truth, 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 truth. You paint a painting, you're just depicting reality and it's affecting you non-cognitively. Right. So it's a denial of the truth of, and knowledge of God altogether by saying you don't even have that. You can't know anything that way. The only way you know it is through this non-cognitive process. Wow. And you have to abandon rationality. Wow. Now, I don't think artists abandon rationality, but that's the story that's being told, right? Is rationality won't get you anywhere. And I think what's going on there is that is an anti-logos. Approach. Okay. The logos is the light of man. It's yeah. that by which we know anything from John chapter one. Yeah. That's the actual light. And here's what it says there, right? Uh, in the beginning, there was God and the word was with God in the beginning, which means the next part, the word is God, right? Mm. The, the word existed from eternity in the beginning. He, you can't say the word had a beginning because in the beginning he was already there. That's right. So he's not one of the creation not part of the creation. Yeah. And then it says that he's the life of man. This mm -hmm. is what gives us life is knowing God. Life and light. And then in chapter in uh, one verses 10, it says he was in the creation. The creation reveals who God is. And then it comes and then it says he came to his own, which I think is the prophets mm. in scripture and his own did not receive him except for those who did were given the ability to become the sons of God. And we have to work on what that means. And then it says, then he became uh, flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. So the logos, you don't want to jump just right immediately to the incarnation. Oh, okay. John goes through all these steps of the logos before he gets to the incarnation. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I don't see it right now. Owen. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't see right, it, check it out. but I'm, I'm fascinated. I haven't it heard couldn't that be the incarnate. The logos can't be Jesus incarnate in verse one. Correct. Correct. Right. So what is that then? Isn't it? And it's not the Bible. There's no Bible in the beginning. Right? No, no, no. It's, it's definitely Jesus. Sense. I'm with yeah. you, but the the he came to his own. I've well, always associated with that with yes. Yeah, so say what well, that's in between uh, in the creation. And it's interesting. It says uh, they knew him not. Yeah. Think of the word logos. It's on the it's on the end of most of our academy words. Right. The biologos. Yeah. The geologos. The anthropologos. They study the creation and they knew him not. Mm. And then it gets into he came to his own. Does that mean the incarnation? Right. But then it says, then it became flesh. So it seems to be two different events. All right. I, I need to go back and study that. Yeah, more. check that, it out. But the whole point yeah. for our purpose here is just to say part of the attack is to downplay the logos and downplay the knowledge of God yeah. and downplay creation revealing God and to say, none of those matter. You can't right. know God. Right. Turn your mind off in that sense of the logos. And so it becomes anti-logos. It's Romans 1 from a satanic perspective. Oh, yeah. uh, your foolish hearts are darkened. Your your thinking became futile. That's fine. That's good. That's why. That's actually good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. All right. Um, 
Oh, uh, yes. Okay, so Nate Werner says, that's exactly what Sauron was to the elves in Cimmerillion. He came to them as Anator, the Lord of Gifts. Mm. So there's that connection again between Sauron yeah. and... So there he's coming as promising. You can see that where he's promising life, mm -hmm. but he's really bringing destruction. Right. But the question is, does that make him the Lucifer character, or is that the twist on the gifts God gives? Mm. So uh, we, we can go into it. Again, I, I'm not trying to ruin anyone's fun in The Lord of the Rings, and right. and uh, uh, I, I have a whole shelf of Tolkien books, so it's like prove my credentials. But... Just to say, he's a Tolkien's very familiar. He's a master scholar of mythology, so he's putting these things in there. Uh, there's patterns that are in there, yeah. and so here, I guess the question is, what is? How do we know God? What's God's purpose? Are humans his slaves? Is he enslaving them? What's the purpose of the law of God? A lot of times, it's that's the paradigm: is the law, who's the tyrant, and then the yeah. liberator, who gives right. you freedom from the law. So what is the, this again should press us to ask our own questions. What's the purpose of the law? Is it, is it God's tyranny or is it a source of life? Yeah. Well, for sinful, hum, for sinful humanity, the law awakens sin. The law is not yeah, evil. Yeah, the law is yeah. good. I'm a sinner. The law is good, right. And yeah. so. But the, I'm thinking of the law, not just in terms of, uh, say, the, uh, more, the, the Ten Commandments, yeah, the I'm thinking of it in a broader sense of the path of life. Like this first Psalm begins describing these two paths. Right. Yeah. The path and, of life. And that is, that's how Satan subtly twists the message, isn't it? Because, you know, where we can look at scripture, we can go, okay, I agree with Paul, obviously. The, the law awakened sin in me. I wouldn't have known what it was to covet if the Bible hadn't said, don't, do not covet. But then, um, so, so I'm evil. The law is good. Satan comes along and goes, no, 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 no. Look, you're good. The law is evil. You need to right, be liberated. Yeah. Let yeah. me bring, you know, enlightenment. And I think about how mean, mean God is. When you broke the law, he he made you start dying. Oh, yeah. So you follow him. I'll free you from him. <laughs> right, right. All right. So there's more um, There's more talk about, um, about Lord of the Rings here. Uh, Nate Werner made a comment about WandaVision. We don't have to get into WandaVision, but... Um, the uh okay I'm, I'm looking for those comments that talk about or, or that start with question because that's what i said people should write so let me just see here we go okay so nate werner says so is the idea that stories like lord of the rings and the hobbit were all compromised in book form or is this just hollywood i asked earlier but it might have been missed because i didn't have a question okay so is that the idea like is it is it okay can we read lord of the rings Are you kind of have yeah. said this, but can you make it? You should read, yeah, read Lord of the Rings, enjoy the story, watch the movies. Then probably those are different. Yeah, and, and a lot of times we see that, right? I mean, you you have three long books mm -hmm. and three pretty long movies, but still, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the books they can't include. Yeah, so you might you can almost treat them as two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and get okay. to know both of them, but I think the purpose for what what you and I are talking about here is that, nevertheless, the stories fall follow certain patterns, and I guess. Mm -hmm. Rat, coming back full circle back to uh, Campbell, we're differing with him actually because someone could say, "Oh, okay, Anderson, he's just a Campbellian." I'm actually differing with him. Right. I'm saying there's two stories. He only saw the one story, which is that no, what I call the Gnostic story. Yeah. But I'm saying no, there's two stories. One of them might be more prevalent in our movies, but you need to know the other one. Which would be the Gospel. 
Yeah, yeah. I, but I've gone back to Genesis 1 through 3 to set to get that right, because that's what sets us up for the gospel, right? So what happens oh. after after God imposes natural evil, the very next thing that happens is they're covered with coats of skin. Yeah. Which doesn't happen unless an animal dies. So you right. get a teaching right away of vicarious atonement. Yeah, and the promise of the ultimate vicarious atonement in Genesis three fifteen, where the right, right, yeah. offspring of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and he'll But, but here's head. the thing. You brought up the, the temptation of Christ. I'll give you the kingdoms without the cross. Yeah. That's how that's portrayed. The bloody God of the Old Testament who requires animal sacrifices morning and evening, year after year. Mm -hmm. I'll give you salvation without vicarious atonement. Right. Ooh, that's Islam. That's Islam. Uh, that's that's every works-based religion. Hey, do these works. You don't. No one has to die for you. That's that's barbaric. Just the yeah. The re the rejection of the the portrayal of Yahweh as a villain, right? Yeah. Who has a temple where you continually kill animals? Mm -hmm. That's bloody. Yeah. Um. Inch man. Well, we could get into how unbiblical worldviews always end up requiring a, a sacrifice anyway. Uh, abortion is a great example of that. You know, it, it's the, the sacrament of the uh, the secular, you know, godless humanistic uh, worldview. Um, okay. Here's a question from Nate Werner. Tell me, I don't even know if you know the answer to this. Yeah. Is Jordan Peterson a Jungian? Yeah, that's how, that's how, that's how it's all come back up more recently is he's, yeah. he's using these archetypes and describing Christianity positively. Mm -hmm. And it's, and so Christians are all excited because here's an academic. He doesn't even say he believes in Christianity, right. but he's giving these great positive depictions of it. And when he debates atheists, was, or was it Sam Harris? One of the big atheists. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and he says, well, you don't you say that Jesus wasn't real, right? And, and Jordan Pierce says, I don't know if I can say he wasn't real. And people are like, mind bomb, I can't believe this. It's just Carl Jung, guys. I mean, right. it, 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 yeah, that Jesus is one of the archetypes. Yes, but in Peterson's new book, he, yeah, I mean, he's, I'm watching he's, his progress, right? I'm watching his progress yeah, too. So yeah. it's nice to see, it's nice to see him challenging Jung and Freud in his new book. And I, cause I was I'm reading chapter one and it's like, Good. he's, he's citing Jung and it's like, all right, yeah, well that's Peterson. He's a Jungian, but then he's like, but I don't think Jung is right here. And I'm like, Bleh, okay. Yeah. I think he's a, he's his own dynamic person. I would never want to reduce yeah. him right. and say, he's just, just Joseph Campbell. No, he's going through a, What's in front of all of us is really we're all paying attention. Hopefully, and just like wow, this is really interesting to see what he's going through. Yeah, yeah, amen. So, uh, Nate Warner asks, "Is Satan jealous?" And okay, so is Satan jealous of the Lord? Uh, well, I, I guess we, you know, the Christian might say yes. Yeah, and the other side would say no. He he doesn't want to be like that at all. He wants to free people. Can we just to make this very explicit? That's that. This is a false. I mean, the the myth, the mono myth, it's a. It's ultimately a false tale, isn't it? It's yeah. But here's here's why I think it is. Not necessarily for some of the things we've discussed, although those are too. But because it says all things are eternal, I think we can show from by reason and general revelation mm -hmm. that only God is eternal. Yeah. So in other words, the two stories start there. All is eternal. Only God is eternal. And then they go on to their details. And we might get kind of caught up in the details and, and get lost even. Hmm. And I'm saying, no, you don't need to. There's two trails. One of them says false thing. Then you start yeah. with the true one and go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that, that's good. All right. Uh, Lindsay asks this. Where is Hollywood getting these stories? The Ugaritic texts, automatic writing, and why does Hollywood 
propagate the premillennial timeline. Okay, so Lindsay is a friend of mine and my wife's, my wife's really. Um, I'm friends with her husband and we've had many of these conversations. Okay. So a lot of conversations about the occult, Hollywood, demonic yeah. influence. Where, where, where is Hollywood getting these stories from? Yeah, that's uh, that. I mean, at this point, I'd be speaking as anyone else. Not, you know, uh, on some of these things we're talking about today. This is what I've studied and, yeah. and worked on. On this, it'd be just pure speculation, just like you. I was like, yeah, we're. It is really weird that they have such great overlap, and they can't ever get the Christian story right. Is that <laughs> random? It right. seems hard to believe it's random. Right. But does it follow that there's like a, a, a group of four or five people running it all? I don't know. That also, some of those stories I've heard don't necessarily fit. I mean, I think it's almost like uh, this is the only story they can get to. Given their assumptions, they don't have access to any other stories. So we don't have to give a supernatural account. Like, well, they were talking to uh, Wormwood. Yeah. There's, this is just all they have. You know what is very ironic about that is we often think of Christian movies, at least I do, of being very preachy. Hmm? Hollywood movies are just as preachy. They're just telling the opposite story. Yeah, they are. But I think there's something to it where the Christians, it's because of the moralism I was talking about earlier. Yeah. The movies the Christians give tend to just become moralistic movies. But what, but, but what is save yourself, become your own savior? And, it is, uh, yeah, it is. But... Listen to your heart. It's like, I think some of the first things that it describes in Genesis with the children of Cain was music, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Someone was the father of organs. and Developing I, arts. Yeah. So it's like, pay, they, they have paid attention. Art is a thing yeah. which works a certain way. Yeah. I'm not sure the Christians lately have paid attention to it. Uh, probably the some greatest are. musician are. ever was Bach and he paid yeah. attention to it. Yeah. But yeah, so what's been going on? I remember I saw, I think Kanye West, I saw a meme with him saying he's the greatest musician ever. And then the other picture was Bach looking at him like, wait, what about <laughs> me? So, but yeah, the, the, the movies that Christians give tend to be do these right morals and then you'll go to heaven. I wouldn't say that. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's often a conversion in it. You know, God's not dead has, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that it's, I, you do see moralism. Absolutely. But I think, I think you see a lot of gospel. I just think the gospel feels very obvious in these. Yeah, Conversion. that's true. I, yeah, you're right. So I, I, I don't want to paint with a broad brush and put down Christian movies in general. Uh, I apologize. And that's all I mean at all. But just that I think that the dynamics of how any movie shows humans changing tells us a lot about the writers of the movie. Yeah, okay. So are, Christian, are Christians mostly otherworldly right now it seems the ones i hear from are mostly other world yeah except the ones that are going woke right so you could have just this worldly but <laughs> we don't have the idea that the chief end of man is to glorify god in all the works of god yeah we don't see that but that's what bach thought he was doing he thought he was glorifying god through the work of music and man does that ever come out in his music yeah so that's what art does was so, do, do you know if rachmaninoff was a christian I don't know. No. I don't either. I really like his stuff, though. Well, but I think um, so. So Christian movies were and and, and the the other words where's Hollywood getting this stuff? Yeah, I think it's all they've got, and that and that's why we should be able to say, look, there's another story which you've not 
maybe they've literally never heard it. Now, I'm not saying that would save them or something like, oh, if you just heard this, you'd believe it. Not at all. But how well, I guess I bring it back to myself. How well have I been doing articulating the alternative? Okay. As you as a challenge. Yeah. And especially when mostly it's been an, an, been understood to be an otherworldly message. And the Christians should be able to say, look, the chief end of man is to glorify God. And we should know God through his works. Amen. This world does matter. Yeah. It's made very good. Yeah, that's good. And it's not eternal. It's reliant on God. God is sovereign over it. God is yeah. God is different. God is other, but he's not wholly other so that he's unknowable. Because the, the, the Gnostic view really wants to have it both ways. This capricious God who's meddling in our affairs, and then this uh, over uh, overly distant yeah. deistic God. And that's really where you get the demiurge and the, you know, the, it's like... It's like the fates and the gods of the Greek uh, pantheon, yeah. you know, like, like, well, we can't know the fates, but they control everything. Yeah. And, but then the gods are capricious and we can know them, but we kind of wish we didn't, you know? And it's like, that's well, why no. it's fascinating. Like this, this TV show, Supernatural. Oh yeah. Their father's distant and God as a father in the show is distant. When he eventually does show up, he is an incompetent idiot hmm. who has to be opposed. And in the show, do you know who saves humanity? Who? The son of Lucifer. What? It's not even the son of God. It's not even Lucifer. It's his son who saves the world from God. <laughs> it's just like, man, that, that show just having, I think, just having fun with it. Like, it's not... <laughs> It's not taking itself too seriously, but it's just yeah. so funny that that's how they decide to play it out. All right. Well, at this point, we deserve to be taken over by aliens. That's my that's my opinion. <laughs> um, uh, do you know anything about um, Pokemon? Do we see any of these themes in Pokemon? This is Nate Werner's question. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Pokemon. I, I've heard, uh, besides this, just the general idea of yeah. of these animals fighting each other, I, I've heard some things about you know familiar spirits and, yeah. and and this is along those lines. But I just wouldn't know enough to comment okay. on it. Uh, I I don't know if I've articulated this to Nate before. We've had some conversations. I am not a fan of Pokemon. I, I learned some th back in the '90s. There was this um, shaman. Uh, a friend of mine from camp was a missionary down in Brazil. Knew this shaman who became a Christian. He once he saw Pokemon. This is like one of those uh, anecdotal tales you always hear about. But I actually knew the kid who who knew the shaman. Uh, there's this whole website set up for him, but. Um, He's, once he saw the uh, the Pokemon, he's like, oh, yeah, I know that. That's just one of those spirits, and you know, I know how to summon this one. I know what he does. He probably, this one, this one scratches, right? And sure enough, you flip the card over, and yeah, his power is scratching. And um, it's like, okay. And then there was some other stuff that happened when we were kids that uh, sort of turned me off to Pokemon. Here's the funny thing I would say about Pokemon is um, it's very difficult to get even an adult to think about four or five arguments for God's existence, mm -hmm. but you can get a kid to memorize hundreds of Pokemon names and powers. Like, sure, yeah. we have an equivalent for natural theology, like the natural theology card game where you have to memorize <laughs> arguments that show God exists to, to have little battles or something. I don't know. I'll just off the top of my yeah. head, but it's like, man, they'll, that, they'll spend their mental energy on that, though. I love it. Yeah. Well, you designed that, Owen, and uh, I want to be first in line, get get a copy of, of that card deck for my kids. I'm, I'm yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, do you, uh, I, here, Nate Werner asks this, I don't know what this is called, but do you see the similarity of these myths stems from the original people in the pre-Noahic age? Yeah, I would, I would think in the biblical account, that's what happened. Not not the, it may have been the pre-Noahic age, but it would have been at Babel. Babel, yeah. The common story about yeah. what they're doing something along the lines of the replacing God. 
Mm. And um, uh, perhaps the, the Tower of Babel could have two purposes to God in the set or to the heavens in the sense of dedicated to worship the heavens, the mm. heavenly powers. It means not, we think now just in terms of physical gas balls, but the heavenly powers. Yeah. But then also a tower so that if the evil God ever sends a flood again, we'll survive it. Well, at least our rulers. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, they had some story, but then, yeah, they're divided up, they're split up, but they would have still had that same story going on. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, hmm, if there's ever another national or a global cataclysm, our, at least our elites will be able to survive it. There's something, uh, I, I've, I've been around in the conspiracy, conspiracy sphere long enough to, to know uh, there are these conspiracy theories out there that the world's elites have these shelters and bunkers where they oh. they're going to all go if there's nuclear war and I, i've read similar. articles there i don't think they are conspiratorial they're just like like more like real estate articles saying yeah i mean they're buying up land and and, and building these massive bunkers in new zealand okay there you go all just right because they, they can afford to do that yeah. but yeah that's interesting right so think about back to genesis chapter three the curse is put on mankind do you think adam repented can you figure it out from the text I think he did. And I think I think you see some of that in at least in how Eve responds when she becomes pregnant and gives birth to Seth. She okay, says, so I've Eve, yeah. Yeah, I've I've uh, brought forth a son with the help of Yahweh or or I've or or with the help of God, you know, I've brought forth a son, God. It's almost like she expects Seth to be the Messiah. Have, yeah. You know. But but, um, but I think for Adam though, it happens immediately. Do you remember what he does right after the curse is pronounced? The very next thing he says, he oh, names he, oh, her yeah, he Eve. Eve. She'll be the mother of all the she'll women. She'll be the mother of all, which means that he realizes he broke a commandment. He's recommitting to keep the first commandment. Because of this, be fruitful, multiply, having dominion. Because look, wouldn't the temptation be to be the opposite? I just introduced death into the world. People say that all the time. I can't bring children into a world like this. Right. What about if you're the one who made the world like this? Wouldn't you just say, say to her, look, we tried. It didn't work. Yeah, I'm gonna put a line down the garden. I'll draw a chalk line. You stay on your side. I'll stay on my side. Allah, I love Lucy. Right. And right. but he doesn't do that, right? He says, "Yeah, we're gonna keep the commandments God gave." So I think Adam repents. But now look at Cain. Why are you downcast? What could Cain say? You know, I, I made a mistake. I didn't understand vicarious atonement. Oh God, please forgive yeah. me. Yeah. He doesn't though. Yeah, he murders his brother, and then again he's asked, "Where's your brother?" Mm. I don't know. Right. So. Cain doesn't repent ever. Right. So I'm bringing all that up to bring up in the face of divine judgment, mm -hmm. one solution is to survive. That's what Cain's worried about. I'll, I'll die. Uh, you got to protect me. Yeah. The other solution is to repent. You see divine judgment and, and you realize, yeah, this is a, a opportunity for me to repent. Yeah, man. Okay, that's good. I'm thinking about Jacob and Esau as well, and how, mm -hmm. how yep. Esau he even like he sought an opportunity to repent and, and and didn't. I think you know if you really unpack his story, he had grief, but it wasn't godly grief that leads right, to yeah. repentance. You yeah. know, whereas Jacob, who had arguably a lot more, to, well, maybe more instances of of things to repent. Right, mean, what Esau yeah. did was pretty bad, giving up his birthright and such. But you know, Jacob actually meets the Lord, wrestles mm -hmm. with the Lord, and he's a changed man. Right. You know, so there's, again, two ways to live. It goes back to Psalm 1. It goes back to these two competing narratives. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah it is. So yeah, you'll see all this recapitulated throughout the scriptures, one way or the other, because the, the Gnostic one will do the same thing. It'll say, mm -hmm. look, these stories all teach the same one. Yeah. So if we have to get 
if I if you were to say boil it down to one or two sentences, get the foundation in place so you can go on to maturity. Okay, it's what in Hebrews five and six is called the elementary things. Yeah, get the basic things in place so you can go on to maturity as a Christian. Yeah, it's good. All right, uh, a lot of chat in the comments about Hollywood and how there's a more sinister plot. And I got to tell you, Owen, I do tend to lean that way. I think um, every now and then something will come out, some kind of creepy, weird detail will come out, and it's like, yeah, that confirms there's probably a lot of uh, uh, there's yeah. a, there's a a lot more overt stuff, you know, like maybe in the eighties, the 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 fundies in the eighties were a little bit more onto something. Maybe they didn't have everything right, but they well, might here's have been yeah, I think I think something. you say this. There's there's definitely a spiritual war between good and evil. Correct. Yeah. How much any individual is aware of it is one question, mm. but that they're in it, we know for sure. Right. So in other words, someone might say, oh, I didn't know I was opposing the God of Christianity. Right. Yeah, they didn't know that, but they, they were doing that. Well, that's right. And all of creation testifies to that particular God. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being revealed, you know, being perceived in the things that have been made. So his eternal so they power have a story and divine they nature. want to promote. In that sense, it's, quote, natural. It doesn't make it right. right. But it, of course they do, right? They have their story. They want to promote. You have your story. What, what's incumbent on us is to show what's true. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Uh, do you think that, so this is uh, Lala Middick yeah. asks this, Lael Middick asks, is the Noah movie in, from 2014 with Russell yeah. Crowe, I believe, right. telling Gnostic myth? Yeah, that was just taken directly out of the Gnostic flood account. Yeah. So yeah, that, that wasn't even trying to be the Genesis story. Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. I, I read the same analysis. Remember, um, the original Adam and Eve pair in that movie were light beings because it takes cover them with skins. In Gnosticism, spirits are good, the right. flesh is bad. So when mm -hmm. they fell, it's when they became they got a body. So Adam and Eve were these spirit beings, and then they're put into flesh instead of it being the correct reading, which is that animals were killed to cover them with coats of skin. Yeah, and then that's the same thing with the fallen angels in that story. Angels are light beings, and there's some that fell, and they're encrusted in stone, and they have to be freed. So it's, yeah, it's all those same themes. Yeah, right. Man. Yeah, okay. So so yes, the answer is yes. Um, let's see. Um, one, uh, let's see. Uh, someone asked, because I said my wife says I remind her of uh, uh, Tony Stark. So am I a playboy, billionaire, philanthropist? Um Listen, I'll let you guys all be the judge of that. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, man, we, again, more chatter in the comments, but I think that that's pretty much all the comments. Um, here's what I know. And a lot of people are going to have a lot more to say to you next time you come on to talk about Job, which yeah. this is not even the, the episode we were supposed to do. We're yeah, supposed to do one. From this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check it out. I'll, I'll show it here so you guys get ready. Job, a philosophical commentary. You can check that out on. Oh, Check that out on, you know, any place like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Abe Books, and we're gonna be talking about that in about a month, right? Five, yeah. six weeks, probably. Yeah. Yeah, really, really looking forward to that. Um, man, thank you so much for joining me. How can people get a copy of your book? And you know, is there a website they can follow you at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like I say, go on Amazon to get my book. But then, yeah, I have a YouTube channel where I post uh, usually a lecture or two a week on Dr. Owen Anderson. And then I also have a Patreon account where I, I do extra additional lectures, which is also just Patreon, Dr. Owen Anderson. All right. So Patreon.com slash Dr. Owen Anderson. Yeah. Dr. Owen. Dr. Owen Anderson. 
Got it. All right, let me just put that up on the screen here. Um, so definitely go follow Dr. Owen Anderson on Patreon, on YouTube, and then your your website is DrOwenAnderson.com? Com, yeah. Com. Great. All right, so definitely go check that out, everybody. Um, this Job book, even in anticipation of reading it, I recently read through the, the book of Job. I'm going through all the, the uh, wisdom literature right now, and man, Job is... I mean, I read it last time I read it just recently. It it came to, alive to me in a way that it never has before. I'm really, yeah. really looking forward to our conversation. Right. I try to treat it like again to the intricacies of the dialogue. Yeah. The details of what they're saying to each other and the arguments that they're they're debating. That's great. Okay, so uh, keep watching the Think Institute um, content. Stay tuned to the Think Podcast, and uh, you will see more great content from Dr. Owen Anderson, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm going to let you go and I'll do my, uh, my, my closing here, but, uh, but man, this is great. Really looking forward to our next conversation. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, brother. All right. So thank you for watching the think podcast. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to the podcast later on, we went long today. We were only supposed to go about an hour. We we went like an closer to two hours and that's no surprise because I told you this is going to be a real humdinger of an episode. And it was, I don't think I used that word, but I think we can all agree Whatever a humdinger is, this is one of those. Great, great episode. And um, Owen Anderson is—he's a—he's a scholar. He's—he's got a—he's just got a certain way of approaching these things that I knew was going to be beneficial and be helpful. Because look, our mission is to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message. That's why we're tackling these impossible questions, and that is the goal of the Think Institute is to do that. Now, the way we do that, we do it through the Think Podcast. We've got other podcasts um, that are all part of the Think Institute network. Follow us on YouTube. Uh, you can you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to the podcast, you've probably already done that. But if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to us on Gab TV, Think Institute on Gab TV. We're on there now. And... Um, you know, interestingly enough, I'm already getting more views on Gab than I am on YouTube. So that'll tell you something. Whatever I've got, you know, going on a thousand subscribers on YouTube. I've got like two on Gab. So what's going on there, YouTube? Uh, apparently the alert that we were going live didn't even go out today on YouTube. So I'm again, not putting forward any conspiracy theories, but YouTube is all a bunch of Satanists. No, that's not what I'm saying. Um, little joke, but, um, Although Jesus did say you're either for me or against me. So um, I'm going to leave that hanging out there. This was, uh, this was a great episode. And let me think what else I need to ask you to do. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe. Share this with a friend. If, if you haven't shared this with a friend, I mean, what a great episode to share. Um, and not only that, but we did talk about the gospel. We talked about the biblical truth. This is a great episode to share with your friends who are into this sort of thing. You got some conspiracy theory friends. Hey. Why not introduce them to a conversation that's also going to introduce them to the true myth, the, the myth, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true God who came down from heaven and brought light and life to humanity and, um, and eternal life and union with God to everyone who received him and believed in his name. All right. So this is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. I certainly hope it was helpful for you. I know I heard a lot that was helpful. And, um, oh, one more thing I have to ask you to do. If you haven't done so yet, check out our giving page at give.cru.org slash 101-8841. 
This is what allows us to do the Think Podcast, to have the blog, to have the website, to go into churches and do um, trainings in uh, in uh, the biblical worldview and evangelism and apologetics. We've got a lot of stuff coming up this next school year that we're going to be rolling out for homeschool co-ops. We're already in one homeschool co-op, we're looking to get into another one and to create curriculum for homeschool co-ops. So if you're homeschooling your kids, I'm going to have a lot of really great material coming out for you over the next year. But all of that is funded through our incredibly generous ministry partners. So you're not going to hear me talk a lot about Patreon, although we do have a Patreon for one of our podcasts, but this is the primary way that we are supported. So if you're one of our partners, thank you. God bless you. If you're not, still God bless you, but consider supporting us. Uh, even like five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. We've got people who partners, partner with us at much higher amounts, much lower amounts, but it all helps. So thank you for partnering. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, watching, subscribing, all the stuff. And that's about all I have for you today. So until next time, I hope it made you think. Thank you.